We understand from Scripture that we have three primary enemies that we must watch out for. The world, the flesh, and the devil. And I wanted to begin with our adversary, the devil, because there's a lot of confusion about that. It all started years ago with a guy named Flip Wilson. Remember Flip? The devil made me do it. That's a good excuse for things. It's simply not the truth. But I want you to understand the situation we're in in our relationship with the evil one. The devil is our ever-present adversary. He's not God's adversary. He's ours. Remember, the Son of God, Jesus, defeated him. He is a wounded creature. And any of you that have ever hunted or uh, had a farm, you know a wounded creature is the most dangerous one you can have around you. Satan is marked. He's marked with death. He, he knows his time is near. It's imminent. But the reality is we are his adversary. He wants to destroy us, and we must be on our guard. We're in a battle every day, every hour, every minute. The nature of this battle is described in Ephesians 6, 2, where it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, against world forces of darkness, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You see, our enemy is not that person down the road or competing with us in a, in a career path or, or in, in, a, in a class we're taking in school. Our enemy is evil and supernatural. We can't see him, but we can see his hand at work. We understand that he's there and he despises us. I don't care what name you characterize him by. There are many. Abaddon, the destroyer, Mistopheles. He can be called by many names, but he's, he's Satan, Lucifer, the devil. He's the one that saw in heaven the most beautiful thing you could ever look on, the throne room of God. He was one of the angels that covered that throne. Yet somewhere in his heart and mind, he looked upon that which was holy, and he desired it for himself. He wanted to be like the Most High God. And I remind you that every sin that we'll ever commit is found in that simple little idea. We cannot be the God of our own lives. There is a God. He loves us. He sent His Son to die for us. If you're a Christian, He placed His Holy Spirit within you to guide you. But at any given moment, we can desire to become the God in our own life. We can make choices away from allowing God to guide us and lead us. And we can become like Satan. And he loves to mess with creation. Remember, he started in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve were fresh and new, and all they really understood was God. And God had created the animals, allowed Adam to name them. He created Eve from Adam. But then in the midst of that, temptation came. Satan has a way of doing that so, ever so well, and he still does that in our lives. He creeps into our life at a time we least suspect him to be there. But I want you to note this morning how you can resist him, how you can fight him, how you can overcome him. You can never alienate yourself from him totally until you're in heaven. 
Because his influence is always there. The influence of all three, the world, the flesh, and the devil, we will face until we step into heaven with God. But I want to think this morning how we overcome our adversary, the devil. And these are some transformational truths for your battle that you'll have with Satan. The first thing I want you to realize is this. It is objective that Satan rules this world, but it is subjective whether or not he influences your world. We know that he's God of this world. Our chief adversary is the devil. He influences us in ways we could never imagine. In fact, the Bible calls the devil the ruler of this world. And we've got to realize that that is not a mild statement. In 1 John 5, it says, We know that we are of God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Even Jesus, when he was tempted by Satan as he came out of the wilderness after 40 days of fasting there and was presented to everything, the devil came to him, and it's found in Luke 4. It says, Satan says, I will give you all the domain and its glory that I have, for it has been handed over to me, and I will give it to whom I wish. Therefore, Satan looked at Jesus and said, if you will kneel and worship me, I'll give it to you. The world is his right now because he caused it to fall in the garden. Remember, in the garden, it wasn't just Adam and Eve that fell. All of creation fell. All the earth is under that curse, and it's his. And he would love for us to fall and worship him. And many people have sold their soul to the devil to get the things materially that they want. It's always amazed me that... that that Jesus took three verses out of Deuteronomy and he, and he was able to push off and fend himself away from the devil. In this passage here, it's amazing. He said, Deuteronomy 6.13, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. Only. I remind you that Jesus was keenly aware of the fact that not too far distant in the future, he would suffer a horrible suffering and he would die the worst kind of death. And with all that in mind, he would not circumvent or bypass what was before him. You ever found somebody that never wanted to do things the way they should? They, they wanted to find the easy way around, the quick way, the instant way as they say today? There's some things that have to be done the hard way. And only through that road can we learn and understand. So therefore understand this. You decide whether or not Satan is the Lord of your life. You choose who you will follow and submit to because you see Scripture is here not only for our edification and for our strength, it's there to give us the direction how we should deal with the evil one. The second thing I want you to understand is this. A foolish person denies the existence and the influence of Satan. But a wise person keeps his distance from him. I've quoted many times one of my favorite writers, C.S. Lewis, said in one of his books at the beginning of it, he said there are two frightening mistakes that Christians make when it comes to the evil one. Number one, to deny his existence altogether. And number two, to have an inordinate fascination with him. Both of those will destroy you. It's important for us to understand 
that Satan can be rebuked, but not with the words of men, only with the word of God. In 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7, it says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You see, he will give you the strength that you need. The half-brother of Jesus, Jude, made it very plain that when there was a disputation over the body of Moses when he had died, Satan wanted his body for obvious reasons. Remember that the children of Israel were just 40 years out of slavery in Egypt. 400 years that they lived in a country that worshipped idols and worshipped dead bodies. Remember the pharaohs when they died were still considered gods and they'd worshipped their body. And, and it would have been a delightful thing for Satan to have taken Moses' body and set it up as a throne to be worshipped. And the people would have done that. Remember, much of Moses' beginning of his ministry started that way. As they were leading the children of Israel out and they went to the mountain of God and there Moses went up to commune with God. And while he was there, of all people, his own brother, his own brother Aaron, led the people to build an idol and to worship it. It infuriated Moses in, his, in the mind of the man that had just been with God. That the people in just 40 days would, would drift in such a way to create an idol. But they were still stuck on worshiping idols. And Satan wanted to take Moses' body and make it into an idol. He loves to use God's people to ensnare others and to bring them down. But in that disputation over that body, in that argument... The archangel, Michael, looked at Lucifer, who was his equal. And he didn't try to get into a fight with me. He looked at him and he said, the Lord rebuked thee. And guess what? It worked. It worked. It always does. The name of Jesus is powerful. The Lord rebukes that which is evil in the world. He defeated Satan. And we should never get in a fight with him because truly he is out for our destruction. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to devour you. He can't take your Christianity away because your Christianity is not dependent upon you holding on to God. It's God holding on to you. But he can destroy your testimony. He can destroy your faith and your words and your works that you do. He can reduce you down to a useless piece of humanity before the world. He can't take away your Christianity, but He can make you live as if you were never saved. And that's His desire. And you are the one He is after. He's the accuser of the brethren. When he begins to accuse you and you feel guilty for sins that you've committed in the past, that the blood of Jesus covers, there's only one thing to do. Say, Satan, I know you're working hard to make me feel horrible about this, and I do hate sin, but Jesus died for them. And because of his death and because of his blood, I'm covered. 
When I look at God and He looks at me, He doesn't see my sin because His Son's blood covers me. And frankly, I don't care what you see. Satan will love to torture you with that. If he can take something from your past and attack you in the present, he will destroy your future. If you let him. Don't do that. Jesus died for every sin you'd ever commit. He loves you so much, he died for you. Who else would do that? But Satan would love to take that away. Don't allow him to do that. Why does God permit evil to exist? That's a question I'm asked most, especially by young people or even sometimes by adults. Why, does, why didn't God just eliminate Satan and do away with him? There's a simple answer for that. Because our relationship with God is based upon love. And when you love someone, you have to choose to love them. You can't make anyone love you. You can try, but it won't last long. Love is a choice. And in order for it to be a choice, there has to be a choice not to love. And you see, in the world that we live in, it's a broken world. We did the breaking in Adam and Eve and forward. We've done the breaking. We've, we've committed the sins. We've made the choice. But we've got to choose to go away from that. If God had have eliminated Satan and the opportunity for choice, we would be no better than robots. But if you remember, God made us not as robots, He made us in His image. Because you see, God makes choices. He chooses for the sky to be, glue, uh, to, to be blue, and He chooses for your, your grass to be green. He chooses for the trees to be strong and, well, not too strong. Mine aren't very strong. All mine keep falling in my yard. But He, he makes everything a certain way. He chooses to do that for a reason. And He wants us to be like Him. So he gives us choice. What we have to do is choose to do the right thing. Doesn't it make you feel good when you choose to do the right thing? Are you still embarrassed when you do the wrong thing? You should be. That's called a conscience. We live in a world where a conscience doesn't exist. In fact, they're turning it around. They're trying to make all, all the sins righteousness and righteousness sins and be careful about the standard of the world. They, they don't understand that. They don't understand at all what, what Jesus is about. But lastly, I want you to realize this. Satan will always seek to isolate you from everyone. That's how he works. He gets you away from everyone. But God has given you an advocate Jesus Christ, the righteous. He supports you. He's with you. He fights on your behalf. He strengthens you when you're weak. He lifts you up when you're fallen. When you run, He brings you back. 1 John 2 says, My little children, I'm writing you these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And He Himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. It's one thing to have to go to court and get an advocate or a, 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 an attorney to represent you. It's another thing to take someone with you before judgment that died for you and saved you. 
Jesus is righteous. He earned it. His blood covers our sins, and because of that, we have hope and help. Ephesians 4 says, be angry and yet do not sin. It says, don't let the sun go down on your anger and do not give an opportunity to the devil. That's correct. That's correct. Satan is looking for an opportunity to creep into your life. He he wants to take you away. You are the possession that he wants to take. He could not become the Most High God. God is still on His throne, and Jesus is His Son, and the Holy Spirit is a part of that Trinity, but the reality is He wants to be God, and the one place He can be God is in your life. I want to think about some characteristics of the nature of Satan for a minute. The devil can blind people to the truth. He can confuse you. 2 Corinthians 4 says, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel and the glory of Christ in the image of God. Dear people, let me tell you something. Satan loves to confuse and blind folks to deceive them and lead them away. But you carry within you the light of the hope of the gospel. You can illuminate those people, and you must do that. You cannot give up on them. You must work to save them. I remember watching one of my favorite shows, one of the few that I still understand on TV, the Andy Griffith Show. And there's an episode on there when a little boy comes to town and the little boy is just breaking all the rules. He has a bike and he runs down the sidewalk and almost knocks Aunt B over with her groceries and he's always just doing whatever he wants to. And finally they call the little boy in and he throws a fit and they bring the daddy in. The daddy's about as bad as the boy. And I remember in the end, the daddy finally got his eyes open after naturally the sheriff talked to him. And he took the boy out behind the courthouse and whipped him. And at the epilogue of it, there's always something that, that, that would be said. And Andy is looking at Opie. And he said, you still feel sorry for that boy? You remember what he said? He said, Paul, I have to. He's one of my own kind. I always like that because, you know, we've got to have empathy for the world because they're our own kind. They may have lived such a debaucherous, evil life that they don't look even human anymore, but they're our own kind, and we've got to love them. We don't have to like them. We don't have to live like them. We don't have to be around them, but we need to love them because we're the hope to them that Jesus could enter their heart and change them. The second thing is the devil can fill our hearts with evil intent. He can do that. There were examples in the New Testament. Ananias, Satan filled his heart with evil uh, intent. And we can let Satan creep into our heart when we're mad or upset or bewildered or frustrated. And he can guide us to do things and to say things that would never come out of a heart of thankfulness and love for the Lord. The hardest things, the meanest things that have ever been said to me were said by church members in a point of weakness and anger. And those are the things you have to swallow and pray for that person and continue to love them. That's hard to do. 
We've all been there. You've been there. You know what I'm talking about. You've been through that situation where the one person you were trying to help attack you. But we're called to continue to love them and to lead them to truth and bind up their wounds and help them to heal. Thirdly, Satan can snatch away the word from us. And always remember this. Hide God's Word in your heart and repeat it over and over again. I I read God's Word every morning. I take a, a verse with me all through the day. I make it a part of my life. I use it during the day. It's important to do that because God's Word is what will protect you. Remember, Jesus quoted the three passages in in Deuteronomy to rebuke Satan himself. What are you doing with God's Word? Are you using it to make a difference? God's Word is, is, is sown in our heart. And if we don't guard ourselves against Satan, he'll take it away. Remember the passage in Matthew 13 about the sower and some of the seeds fell on, on ground and it was taken away by the birds? Guess what? Satan can take away the word of truth, if you do not hide it in your heart and use it to change you. The fourth thing you need to realize about Satan is the devil has essential limitations. Can't be everywhere at once. He doesn't have all knowledge. You know, he, he has limitations, but let me tell you this, he's smarter than you. He's been around for thousands of years. He's been, he's been absolutely deceiving people from Eve forward. He's messed with all of us at different times. He's led us to believe that which is not true. He's he's convinced us that God doesn't care sometimes. You don't understand that? Read the book of Job. Everything Job went through really is just a beginning point of what Satan can do. We've got to be aware of that. But lastly, I want you to realize this. Please hear this. Satan can be defeated in our lives when he tempts us. He can be defeated. Revelation 12, 11 says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimonies, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Satan can be defeated. Our testimony is critical in spiritual warfare. What's your testimony? Think it through. How would you share with someone? If we brought you up here on stage, and we're not going to, but if we did and said, tell me your testimony, tell me about how you met Jesus. Could you do that? That's expected of you wherever you go. Matthew 28 gives the Great Commission, but the Great Commission was written to Christians to go out and to share their testimony, to share their experience with Jesus. People don't want to hear you uh, expound on theological truths. They don't want to hear me doing that. They go to sleep when I do that. In fact, you go to sleep when I do that sometimes. What people want to hear is, give me a testimony of what God has done in your life that will help me where I am. I learned a long time ago in church, people aren't looking for big chunks of theology when they come to church. You know what they're looking for? Little bitty edible bites that they can chew on and take with them that'll make a difference. Because out there in the world, there's somebody that wants to swallow you and destroy you. God has a way of giving us the truth that we need. Missionary told me years ago about a region of West Africa that they were serving in, that there were a lot of little, little narrow rivers all about 
uh, the community they lived in. So they were very shallow, not over four or five feet deep, but they're sometimes 30 and 40 feet wide, and they were what, you, what we'd call a lazy river that moved just very slowly all along. There's a habit of some of the ducks like we have here that they would settle in those rivers and float along, sometimes hundreds of ducks together at once. But if they saw anything move near them, they'd take off. So some of the tribesmen there that wanted, they just loved duck, and wanted to capture some, figured out a way to do it. And listen to this. This is ingenious. They also, in West Africa, grow pumpkins like we have. And they would grow these large pumpkins, and they'd take a pumpkin and then throw it in the river upstream and let it slowly float downstream to the ducks. Now, if there's a group of ducks that have never seen a pumpkin before, they're going to fly off and then stand back and warily watch that pumpkin. Then they'll drop another one in, and then another. And after a while, they'll get so comfortable with the pumpkins, they won't even move when they float. Some of them will hop on top of the pumpkin and ride it on down the river. It's, they're not bothered by it. And about that time, when they see that happening, the tribesmen will take a pumpkin and hollow it out like it's for Halloween. And they'll put it on their head, and they'll slowly walk down the river. And guess what they're going to have to eat that night? Roast duck. That's exactly how Satan works in our life. He knows that we're, we're ready for him, and he knows that we know, but he brings himself into our life in very innocuous, very calming ways. Might be a little sin we commit or a little something we say or something we tolerate in our lives. And we just, it doesn't seem to bother us. And he continues to do that. And he continues to show up there time and time and time again. And we're deceived by tolerating the pumpkins in our life. The pumpkins of perversity and frustration and temptation. We get used to them. We may even conclude that, that these sins will not harm or hurt us at all, but one day he will grab us and never let go. And we lose our testimony. We lose our opportunity of making a difference. We lose our stability and security because we've allowed sin to come into our life. He's your adversary. He's not out there to make your life uncomfortable. He's not out there for you to blame because you can't say the devil made me do it. You chose to do it. The reality is you have everything you need to fight him with. My prayer is that you'll use every single word of God's truth to us to make a difference in your life. Let us pray. Father, I thank you that your holy word gives us hope in the midst of adversity and fear. We can stand strong, not in our own strength, but Lord, in your strength. For you give us the strength that we can have that will change us forever. You give us the hope that will make a difference in our lives. And I pray right now that if there's anyone here within the sound of my voice, that in their heart, they're looking for hope to have strength. And they've struggled and they've fallen before in the past. And they want to know how to stay stable. Lord, I pray that you would speak to them even now and give them the encouragement of your word to let you know 
that God is able to work in your life and He will give you the strength to overcome. Father, I pray You'd speak to someone just now and give them the heart to be a witness and give them the desire to make a decision. And I pray this in Your holy name, Lord. Amen.